cash, every movie costs $2,184. Hello and welcome everyone to Backtrack's theme music. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by John Mariano. How you doing, John? I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> I have a feeling we could do this for a while. Oh, man, I am craving my, me some Mr. T cereal right now. <laughs> I forgot he ate Mr. T cereal until I rewatched uh, the movie. It just made my heart feel good. Of course, we're talking about Pee-wee's Big Adventure, uh, a, an absolute comedy classic from 1985, starring the one and only Pee-wee Herman, as created by the one and only Paul Rubens. And of course, we're honoring Paul Rubens here tonight because he sadly passed away uh, after a heroic battle against cancer and uh, an absolute loss, not only to the uh, comedy community, but just the world in general. He was just, by all accounts, uh, one of the good ones. Yeah, look... Paul Paul Rubens, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna hit it up top because I have a um, former coworker of mine. She's an older woman who has never forgiven him for his his, um, his misstep in his career. Let's call it like let's call it what it is. You know, um, I don't think his offense is nearly as offensive as people make it out to be. Right. I think it was some poor judgment, and I think um, maybe possibly, like, whatever he had going on, you know, it was not nearly the story it was made out to be. It was made out to be a bigger story because he was involved with children's TV. Um, by all accounts from anybody who's known him from a celebrity standpoint, not only is Paul Rubens a stand-up guy, but he lived to make people laugh. Yeah. Um, I was watching a very touching segment from Conan O'Brien this past week, where Conan had invited Paul Rubens to his birthday party, I don't know if it was his 50th birthday or whatever it was, and there was an unopened card from Paul Rubens that he, he found himself reading to himself and chuckling along and crying a little bit reading he just had this innate ability to make people laugh and he battled he battled this 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 disease in silence you know hid it from many of his closest friends and family you know fought it in private and apparently lived his life to embrace life um and 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 embrace laughter with people and we're here tonight to celebrate this man who made us all smile at one point in our lives. Look, if you've ever experienced anything of the Pee Wee Herman character, Paul Rubens, even as an actor, um, he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I forgot the name of the vampire he, slayed, he, he played. But he he has one of the, the funniest death scenes in movie history where he gets stabbed with a stake. And the whole thing is as long as his master is playing the violin. He stays alive. So his acting and his overacting and his reacting to his death scene is the nuance only Paul Rubens could bring to a character. Um, Pee Wee Herman was, was created in the Groundlings, the same Groundlings where many Saturday Night Live alum have, have graduated from. Um, 
a friend of a friend of our show, Ken, Ken Napsock, um, was in the Groundlings for a minute. Um, he he um, not Ken, not Ken, but Paul, Paul Rubens um, was in the Groundlings. That also um, Cassandra Peterson created Elvira in. Um, you, you know, it, it's the birthplace of so a lot of the things we love in life. But this this Pee Wee Herman character, which I believe made a feature film debut in a Cheech and Chong movie, and then and then eventually in this movie tonight that we're going to talk about Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which just blows the doors open. Then you get Pee Wee's Playhouse, and there was a great couple of uh, HBO specials starring Pee Wee, um, just an indelible character a, a perpetual child in the best ways possible okay and uh, you're uh, correct he appeared in uh, the 1980 film cheech and chong's next movie and again in 81's cheech and chong's nice dreams uh in that film he played a uh, hamburger dude <laughs> we, 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 but in the first film i believe he played peewee i think he did yeah yeah um he did yeah 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 so 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 i i'm doing this all completely off the cuff tonight Corey. like you see, my hands are up. I am not viewing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell you unequivocally, we're going to talk about this movie tonight. And it has to have been about a year, year and a half since the last time I watched it. And I bet you it's just as fresh as, as the day you saw it. Uh, it's, it's one of these very special movies. And it's probably where my love affair with Tim Burton starts. And it is Paul Rubens, and we're going to have to find the story tonight of how and why he came to choose Tim Burton to be his director, because Tim Burton, virtually unknown at this point in his his career. He wasn't, actually. I have that tidbit here. Uh, Paul Rubens was a a very big fan of uh, Tim Burton's animated films, Vincent and Frankenweenie. That that tracks, because if you look at a lot of the animation that he used um, in Pee-wee's Playhouse, it was not mainstream animation he would spot showcase. It was all of this kind of odd, kind of weird, fun. You know, the Pee Wee character really embraced being an outsider. And, 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 you know, I think there's a lot of Paul Rubens in the Pee Wee character. Um, so him discovering Tim Burton through those movies does not surprise me. He's definitely like the cool older kid who the rest of the kids his age probably view as weird, but us being younger than him are like, man, he, he finds the coolest stuff to like. <laughs> and we are going to get into it, but we need a song to talk about too. So we're going to talk about uh, one of Pee Wee Herman's favorite songs, that's for sure, Tequila by The Champs. Uh, I'd even look up, there's so many versions of Tequila out there to make sure I got the, the right one from the film. Because of course, in a great sequence at the biker bar, um, Pee Wee Herman to win the bikers over does the Pee Wee Herman dance, which um, no one can see it, but John is doing right now uh, on, on the call. Uh, and it's quite something. Uh, if you were to describe the Pee Wee Herman dance, John, how would you do it? Um, point at your crotch, point at, point at your crotch twice, point at your ass twice. Make sure you're wearing very large platform shoes so you can stand on your tiptoes. Yep, that's pretty much it. 
and it's magic. We, of course, can't do it justice, but uh, we were talking about uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. We're going to get into the movie. Uh, he made a couple other uh, sequels, not really sequels, but other Pee-wee films, uh, Big Top Pee-wee, and just a, a new one here that was on Netflix uh, not that long ago, Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Did you end up seeing that one? Yes, I did. Yes. And how um, was it? Look, for, for, me, for me, I always enjoy seeing the Pee-wee Herman character. That's what I think I... I, I I will recognize it's not the same um, caliber as some of his earlier work, but it's it's like when Wayne and Garth appear. It's it's like when the McKenzie brothers appear. It's like when Jay and Silent Bob appear. There are certain characters that become so part of our lexicon. Um, it's like if, if like Jim Varney and Ernest P. Worrell, right? Like whether or not the movie's good. Um, you've heard me celebrate the Paulie Shore weasel character on year two. When when certain characters appear, whether or not the material is great or not is irrelevant. What, what, what you're looking forward to is your time with them. And that's how I would talk about the newer special. I definitely have to check that one out. And uh, apparently Paul Rubens was working on a couple of other uh, Pee Wee scripts uh, that are going to go undeveloped now. One of them, um, he described as a black comedy. Uh, he also referred to it as dark peewee or adult peewee, uh, with the plot involving peewee becoming famous as a singer after making a hit single and moving to Hollywood where he does everything wrong and becomes a big jerk. Yeah. He described it as it having a lot of value of the dolls moments. So that would have been an interesting take, uh, a dark peewee Herman film. But, 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 it kind of fits him in a lot of ways, especially being a fan of Burton, um, the large Marge stuff. Like he, he was never afraid to, 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 to go into that dark territory and explore that. And knowing that a lot of his fans, um, his younger fans are now adults. I could see him going that way and trying to see if he could pull them in, trying something different with a familiar character. Yep. Yeah, and the yeah. second one. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you you go ahead. What's the second one? And I'll, and I'll go. Okay. Uh, the second film he was working on, more of a family friendly adventure film called Pee Wee's Playhouse The Movie, uh, which would have followed Pee Wee and the Playhouse friends on a road trip adventure uh, where they left the house for the first time and went out into Puppet Land. Uh, all the original characters on the show, live action puppets, were uh, included uh, in that script by Paul Rubens. That's that's incredible. It would have been great to see uh, Lawrence Fishburne now as Cowboy Curtis. Yep. Um, well, no, what, what, what I was going to say earlier is Paul Rubens was one of the ballsier artists out there in that he was never afraid to push the envelope. He was never restrained by, well, I'm a children's actor or anything. He was an artist first. He almost was like, in that Andy Kaufman vein mm-hmm. um, where, where he was willing to push the envelope. So to hear that he's going to do something adult and something for children at the same time with the same character very much fits um, with how he steered his career. Uh, one of the very first things he did when he developed the PB Herman character, it wasn't Cheech and Chong. Uh, do you know what it is? It's a TV show. Um. Three, two, one, contact. Nope, it's the dating game. 
He actually, really? as Pee Wee Herman, he had just developed a character. I, I, I just watched him uh, telling this story to, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. And he was saying that he had just developed a character and wanted to try him out. So he tried out for the dating game. And thinking, you know, that I'm playing this weird character, I'm bound to get on. He got on three times. Uh, twice he was rejected, and the third time he won. So the Bachelorette picked him on the dating game the third time he appeared as Pee Wee Herman. I don't think anything ever came of it, though. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's just a fantastic story. And, you know, I, I miss, I, I want to call it Hollywood, but I, wanna, I, I miss risks like this being taken, right? To, to debut a character um, in, su in such a way, um, we don't get this nowadays. We, don't, we, we have so many more avenues um, to do this too with streaming and whatnot, and you don't see stuff like this anymore. You don't. I think the closest I could think of is when Mike Myers was uh, getting ready to do the Love Guru, and he had that new original character. He workshopped him doing some uh, some comedy dates or some spiritual things uh, to to test drive the character. He did the whole thing in character. Mm. That's about the last thing I can think of. Man, man you're better than me. I was going to say the closest thing I can think of that happened in our lifetime to this was, was when um, Prince re rena re renamed uh, I forgot her original name, but renamed her Carmen Electra. And, and, and MTV would do previews. You don't have MTV up by you. But MTV would do previews going with her silhouette. Carmen is coming. <laughs> well, that would have been interesting. Yeah, we didn't get that up here in Canada. Uh, but we did get uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Maybe, John, before we start playing Tequila by the Champs, uh, tell us about the plot of the film. It, it, it's a pretty classic tale uh, of a man and his bike. Look, if you don't know the plot of this film right now, Get off this podcast. Just unsubscribe to us until you go watch this film. Like, full on, I'm dedicated that much. Like, you should not have never seen this film. I don't care if you're three and listening to us. Also, if you're three and listening to us, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> um, but, but, but in all seriousness, um, this is a plot that involves Pee Wee Herman, Francis, Dottie, a bike, large marge, the Alamo, and so many stops in between. Um, what's your favorite stop Pee Wee goes on? Oh gosh, so many. Uh, there, there was uh, the the rest stop um, where he lost his wallet. He had to do dishes. Where he met uh, uh, Yvette. Uh, the, 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 the waitress and they were uh, spending the evening watching the sunset inside a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, while uh, Yvette's very jealous boyfriend waited to uh, kill Pee Wee Herman because he thought he was uh, fooling around with his uh, girlfriend. That was pretty good. Uh, there was like a large might... barge in the truck. That's a classic. Um, who's, who's, who's the prisoner hitchhiker he picks up? Oh, I don't remember his name. I got oh, wait, was he... No, he was the hitchhiker, right? who got picked up by the prisoner. Yes, Mickey. Mickey's yeah. a comic, and Wait, I screwed up on, on the lady's name. It's Simone, not Yvette. I'm sorry. Yvette, Yvette was the character from his special, I believe Yvette from was the also special. in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Yes, yeah, uh, you are correct. Uh, I mixed those up. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's it's more than forgiven. Um, Mickey has the handcuff, the broken handcuffs on his wrist and is driving Pee, Pee, Pee Wee around and has a, like a psychotic break in, in talking to Pee Wee um, and freaks Pee Wee out. There's so many great characters he meets, but I, I gotta say, 
I think the unsung hero, and we got to look up his name. He plays uh, Stillwell Angel older in, in uh, a league of their own, but Francis in this movie and his freaking bathtub with his battleships. And it's a, he's got a bathtub the size of a swimming pool in his home is, and all he wants to do is buy the bike. And, and and he steals the bike very famously, and the and then the bike ends up in in uh, Texas and all this other stuff. Uh, but who plays Francis? His name is Mark Holton. He is this. Look, they don't give out the best supporting actors to movies like this, but it's one of these indelible roles and the unsung heroes of a movie because you need a foil for Pee Wee and Pee Wee. When you see Pee-wee, he's not a sympathetic character. Like, he's kind of got a mean streak to him. He's very selfish. Um, he, 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 you know, he lives in a very weird house. He's an oddball. There isn't a lot going for him. The fact that Francis is so spoiled and repulsive, hope sell the Pee-wee character in a way without compromising it, his core, right? Because his core is not... It's not a Disney character, right? His, his core, when you when you, when you look at him, he's very snide, very mean, very sarcastic. Um, it takes a character like Francis to sell Pee Wee as a sympathetic figure. I, I wanted the, the part where uh, he, he brings uh, the doorbell and the butler answers, and Pee Wee goes, "Where's Francis?" And the butler goes, "He's taking his bath." And Pee Wee goes, "Oh, where are they hosing him down?" Let me ask you something. Something just hit me. In Deadpool, the villain's name is Francis. And it feels like it might be paying an homage to a degree, especially with the bitter hatred towards Francis. It feels like it's almost paying an homage to this in a lot of ways. Like, did you just draw that line in your head when I said it? When you said Francis, I absolutely did. Yeah, totally. Because, yeah, the bad guy's Francis, the bad guy's Francis. But kind of a lovable bad guy. He even kind of realized at one point, like, uh, it was wrong. Uh, just get rid of the bike. He, he could have said, give it back to Pee Wee, but he said, get rid of it. And then it ends up in Texas, which brings up another of my favorite mo- moments in the film when he was trying to prove to Dottie he was in Texas. we got to try this with, with Jeff Saunders next time. How could you tell when you're in Texas? Let's see if John remembers. The stars at night are big and bright. Down, down in the heart of Texas. <laughs> it's deep in the heart of Texas, but sorry, sorry, I, I was on down or deep, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it because I got the clap right, and I'm just gonna go with one. Yep. Next time you got Saunders on a call, we're we're gonna bust that out and just start singing and see if he does the clap and all that, or uh, if he asks you like, you just tell him, Jeff, I can't remember anything. Well, what do you remember? Well, I remember the Alamo, and see if he cheers. So, so one of the big things now is people will go to the Alamo because of this movie and ask about going to the basement, right? That's right. Which they actually gag. about it. Yeah. This is, this is a gag that he created, you know, 40 years ago that has now taken a, a, nas- a national memorial, a U.S. national memorial, and it has turned it into this tourist attraction from a movie that people are going and quoting the movie and going, can I go to the basement in the Alamo? And they're like, there is no basement in the Alamo. And they've embraced it. And I think that's terrific. Yeah. yeah. They, they even tweeted, you know, 
we still get daily people ask uh, where's the basement in the alamo and they always tell them there isn't one but we do have a basement above the gift shop so uh, if you're at the alamo by all means visit the gift shop go see that basement although there is no basement at the alamo what do you say john it's been about 20 minutes of us yakking you want to hear some tequila um of course all right here we go All right, so I'm trying to do a, a little uh, little uh, look up here on the Champs. Uh, don't know much about them. This is a, a American rock band from the uh, 50s, originally 1957 to 1965 was their kind of heyday. Uh, one of the original members actually resurrected the Champs in 2020, and 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 they're still kind of out there uh, performing right now. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, 1965 to 2020, that's maybe the biggest uh, gap in a band's uh, history that I can think of. Yeah, uh, look, it, if you're here for me to talk about, <coughs> excuse me, so I have a little cold here, but if you're here for me to talk about the champs and tequila, you've come to the wrong podcast. Like it's, it's a fine song. Um, I, I would love to sit here and, and say that you know it's something I listen to. Um, I, I listen to it a lot, probably from 1986 to 1989, um, mainly because of this movie. Um, it's a fine song, especially if you like the saxophone. Um, but I don't really like. There's not much to this for me. Like I appreciate the song. I appreciate the spotlight of the song. I'm here to talk about Pee Wee. <laughs> well, a uh, couple little champs tidbits. Uh, they recorded a sequel to Tequila called Too Much Tequila. Uh, it reached number thirty on the Billboard Hot 100. And in 2020, uh, original group leader Dave Burgess, who resurrected uh, the Champs, recorded 12 new tracks for an LP titled "Tequila Party," and that album contained a party version of Tequila. And that's about all I can give you on the Champs and this song. So let's hear a little bit more. Then let's talk more about the movie. Uh, it's funny because we're listening to this on uh, YouTube music and they have the lyrics right next to us so we can check out the lyrics. There's only three. It's tequila uh, said three times. Right. And and, and this is why I want to do a tremendous breakdown of the song is it, it, lyrically, there's not much to it. It's an instrumental. It's an instrumental that spotlights pr pretty much one instrument throughout. Like, yes, the other instruments are there, you, you know, keeping the beat and moving it along, but it's re really a spotlight you know, for, for one instrument and the word tequila is thrown in every so long. I tell you, it has a long history uh, in popular culture, though. It's been covered uh, really dozens and dozens of times. And it was uh, included in a bunch of different uh, movies like uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, tequila is played. Uh, Happy Days used it quite extensively at the diner. Uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie starring Paul Rubens uh, also had this song in it. Um, 
the Winter Olympics, Kurt Browning, Canadian figure skater, he skated to tequila. It was in the Ninja Turtles, the freshman uh, Marlon Brando film there. Uh, the Sandlot, Night at the Museum, uh, Friends, uh, Mafia 2, the list goes on and on and on. Who's the boss? Baby Driver? Holy cow. So so, so, so of all those movies you mentioned, you, you, you mentioned the Marlon Brando movie, The Freshman. And I'm I very familiar. You'd latch on that. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that movie. So that movie is one that if you haven't seen, I recommend. Um, there's a bit uh, of a parody of The Godfather going on there. Where um, I believe it's Penelope Spheris plays Marlon Brando's daughter, and, and Matthew Broderick plays the freshman, and he is a freshman in college who's trying to date Marlon Brando's daughter. Marlon Brando may or may not be a connected man, and is allegedly um, running an illegal um, restaurant that serves only. Um, endangered species. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm not going to spoil it. I promise you, no animals are harmed in the making of this film. It's actually a pretty wonderful film and a, a great understated performance by one of the greatest actors of all time. I do remember him being quite good uh, in that film, Matthew Broderick. All right, let's get back to tequila. John, let's hit you with little Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure trivia. Uh, which famous comedian co-wrote the script with Paul Rubens? Richard Pryor. <laughs> that would have been something if true. No. <laughs> Think uh, Saturday, Night, Saturday Night Live. Dan Ackroyd. Uh Close. It's actually Phil Hartman. You know what? I should have freaking known that. <laughs> because Phil Hartman was on Pee Wee's Playhouse. They were friends from the Groundlings. They were very close together. Um, I, sh I should have put two and two together because I knew I knew about that association. Yep. And uh, a funny story about uh, Phil Hartman and uh, Paul Rubens. Uh, they wrote this script uh, with a fellow by the name of Michael Varhall who kind of revised it. But they didn't know how to write a script, Phil Hartman and, and, and Paul Rubens. So they read Sid Field's 1979 book, Screenplay, and wrote the script according to the book's advice. Uh, and, the, and the book said, you know, this it's a 90-minute movie, so it's a 90-page script. So this is a 90-page movie and a 90-page script. Uh, on page 30, he loses his bike. On page 60, he finds it. It's literally exactly what they told him to do in the book. There should be a MacGuffin for a thing, something you're looking for. And, you know, the first act should end on page 30, second act on page 60. That's exactly how they wrote it. And now this script is taught in film schools as being the, the perfect dichotomy of how, how to write uh, a film script. And, and they just stole it right from that book. They just said, we just did exactly what they told us to do. You, you know, so, sometimes if somebody makes a template and you just follow the template, you can make something that's completely timeless. You know, when things just work, they work for a reason. And, 
you know, yes, there's comedic genius in here. When you look at the amount of talent involved in this movie, it's it's unmatched. Um, but them following that template was probably the last missing piece to to to, to bring this all together. I, I just can imagine like hitting those beats bang on, like ninety minute movie on the nose, page thirty. He loses his bike. That's the end of Act One. Page sixty. He finds it. That's the end of Act Two. Like just following that template uh, is perfect. I would I would imagine at some point between pages one and fifteen, they wrote at least on page thirty he finds his bike, and they just knew. But 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 when you know that's where you have to get to in the time that you need to get there, you know it's easier to to, to space out in time. Yeah. Right. Like. When you have those building blocks, it's very, you're no longer writing from page one to 90. You're writing from pages one to 30, from pages 30 to 60, and then from page 60 to 90. Yep. And if you need to stretch a summer between one and 30, just have another uh, Francis encounter where they say, I know you are, but what am I for like two minutes? Right. You can, you can simply do that, or you, you have them take one more detour. You know, to one, you know, you need that one more sequence of scenes. Like, oh, we got to throw Mickey in there. Yeah. Tequila. Tequila. All right. That's tequila by the champs. Uh, we're going all the way back to 1958 for that one. And a, a fantastic film from 1985, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. John, is there anything else about Pee-wee's Big Adventure that you wanted to cover? I have about 15 more things I want to cover, but I'm going to try to do, do, do a, like a quick speed round of things I think we missed. You know, we talked about the, the immense talent involved in this film. One of the things that we didn't mention was um, a score by Danny Elfman. Like, I believe this was his first score. It was, yeah, and only because uh, Paul Rubens was a fan of Boingo Boingo that he asked him to do it. And, and, and you end up with one of the great composers of our time because of it. Um, I also want to bring up, we're talking about the gags, the sequence at the end of this movie that I believe almost, not quite beat for beat, but, but Kevin Smith recreates in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back to a degree, the, the back lot chase. Um, is one of the great sequences in comedy. Um, yeah, yeah, you have Pee Wee riding the bike through the Godzilla set. You, you, you have the you have the whole experience w- with the pet shop where he grabs, he keeps walking past the snakes oh. and refuses to re- save the snakes. Okay, that's my favorite snakes. gag in the movie. That's my favorite yeah. part of the movie. I know you asked earlier. It's oh, I thought of another <laughs> one actually. No, it's Pee Wee's cameo in his own movie where he plays the bellhop and he keeps looking at the camera and James Brolin is yeah. playing. P.W. Herman and Morgan Fairchild is Dottie, and and they dubbed in uh, Pee Wee Herman's voice with this really deep paging Mr. Herman, yeah. Mr. Herman because, to the front be, desk. Because the film closes on Pee Wee's big adventure becoming an actual 
drive-in movie that they all go to see at the end. And everybody that Pee Wee encounters on his journey is at the drive-in. And he has one final exchange with each of the characters. You know, it's a great road picture, and it's such a great button on the film to have all of these people that he's encountered um, be at this drive-in at the end. Um, I, I, I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful film and something from a technical standpoint that pulls off a lot of things. I, I would call it a perfect film. I have no problem calling this a perfect film. I don't either. No, absolutely a perfect film. Uh, definitely worth your time if you've never seen it. And if you have, my God, rewatch it. I watched it with my 11-year-old, and she just fell in love uh, with, with Pee Wee Herman. Uh, John, anything else before we wrap it up here tonight? Look, I have, not, I have nothing else to promote. Um, but again, if you haven't seen this movie, watch this movie. Um, I recommend hunting out some clips of Paul Rubens, not just the Pee Wee Herman character, but Paul Rubens on talk shows. He was always a spectacular guest. Go search out Conan O'Brien paying tribute to his good friend Paul Rubens, too. I'm sure plenty of people have done it, but, but Conan does such a touching, heartwarming tribute to him on this podcast. Um, you, you know, I'm not here to endorse other people's work, but right now this was a, a true celebration of a character and, you know, a person that definitely impacted both Corey and my life um, and probably a lot of you as well. So go search out his work. You know, I'm sure we'll, this won't be the last Paul Rubens movie we cover on you. We probably won't cover Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it might be a mystery as to what else we may cover in the near future. And there may have been a clue. That That's all I'll say. But John, it, it occurred to me, I can't really ask you what you got coming up because you got nothing coming up. This is the only show you do now. So I thought instead, at the end of every show, I'm going to ask you to give the folks a movie recommendation. So today we covered Pee-wee's Big Adventure, uh, maybe recommend for the folks another movie, maybe in that vein. If you like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, you're also gonna like Big Top Pee-wee. Well, that's a good one too. Sure. Uh, um, I don't know. I feel like this is a very unique movie. You know, some people might say, "Well, watch the Ernest movies or watch the 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 Paulie Shore movies," and I feel like this is very character specific. To Pee-wee, I don't even feel like this fits in with the rest of Tim Burton's catalog. I feel like there's a lot of Pee-wee and Tim Burton in this movie. I, 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 I don't know that there is something in this vein. I feel like this is very unique. What I will recommend in the spirit of the show and in the spirit of what you asked me is to go seek out the original HBO special with Pee-wee where he has Jombie and a special wish with Jombie. And I, I, I will also recommend Pee-wee's Playhouse. Very good recommendations. Uh, I'm going to throw in a recommendation uh, for Tim Burton's first eight movies, because I think that's a good a run of eight movies as you're ever going to get. You had Pee-wee's Big Adventure, then Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, Ed Wood, one of my favorite movies of all time, Mars Attacks, and Sleepy Hollow. Those were his first eight films. And, and 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 Paul Rubens appears as the Penguin's father in Batman Returns. In and you know a very who plays, nice. You know who plays his wife in Batman Returns? 
Is is that um, Simone? It is. Circle gets the square. Good job, my friend. Yeah, the actress who played Simone in Pee-wee's Big Adventure uh, plays Paul Rubin's uh, wife, uh, Mrs. Cobblepot in uh, Batman Returns. Excellent. Yeah, look, follow Corey's recommendation, follow my recommendation. I promise you in the future I will recommend movies. This one tonight for me is all about um, the man behind the bow tie. That's right. And you'll notice on uh, Ed, uh, or on Tim Burton, I stopped at eight because movie number nine was Planet of the Apes. So the, that's one you can skip. That, that's very fair. Although the makeup effects in Planet of the Apes are oh. something I will I will defend. And the casting of, of Tim Roth as, as the lead ape is a very inspired casting. Yes, I will give you that. Uh, but we'll save that uh, discussion for another day. Uh, until next time, on behalf of John Mariano, my name is Corey Morset. Thank you very much for listening. Let's leave you with a little clip uh, from uh, Mr. Paul Rubens, rest in peace, sir, and the amazing Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Good night. So is my horn ready yet? Yeah, it's ready. Should be loud enough for you now. Well, where is it? Let's hear it. Wait, I want to talk to you first. You are talking to me. No, I want your undivided attention. Look, Pee-wee, this is important. Does someone want to ask you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to know if you'll do something. What? I want to know if you'll go someplace with me. Like where? The drive-in. Look, Daddy, I like you. Like. I like you. That's the thing. I like you, too. Daddy! There's a lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. I don't understand. You don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me. I'm a loner, Daddy. A rebel.